Here we go. Well, good morning, everyone. Aren't you thankful for the finished works of Jesus? Man, it's finished. I love that. As we were singing, like, I hear the chains falling. What, man, it's, they're already been broken. We're not waiting for a chain to break. It's already been done. Man, what a good thing to walk into. That's what makes worship so easy because he's already done it. We're not begging God, please do something. He's already done it. So let's get into the word of God this morning. And you know, the word contains the power of God. Do we know that? Okay, awesome. Well, let's turn in your Bibles to 1 John chapter 5. And uh, I'm, we're going to get right into this. So again, Holy Spirit, we welcome you in this room, this place. We yield ourselves to you. We yield our bodily members, our souls to you, Father. And we thank you so much that you are the teacher and the strengthener and the encourager and the developer of your church. And so we look to you this morning with our eyes completely sold out and fixed on you and what you can do. Father, we thank you for what you have done, but we thank you for what you're doing in this present moment. February 6th is a good day for revelation knowledge to flow. So we receive that. We thank you for insight into your word, insight so that we can continue to fulfill what you've called us to do in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. All right. In 1 John chapter 5. In verse 1, it says this, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Messiah is God's spiritual child, and they have been fathered by God himself. Man, I love this verse. (laughs) Who's your daddy? God is my dad. That's my dad. And he treats me like a son. And it says everyone who loves Father God also loves his children as well. This is how we can be sure that we love the children of God. So this is how we grow in loving one another. It's by having a passionate love for God and by being obedient to his commands. Verse 3, true love for God means obeying his commands and his commands don't weigh us down as heavy burdens. Now verse 4 and 5, here we go. You see, every child of God overcomes this world for our faith. Say with me, our faith is the victorious power that triumphs over the world. Verse 5, again, just to reiterate it, he says, So who are the world conquerors defeating its power? Those who believe. Say it with me, those that believe. What do you believe? That Jesus is the Son of God. So you believing that Jesus is the Son of God, what did that make you? It made you a world conqueror defeating all of its power. It made me that way. So this is the only time you can say, I've been made that way. I've been made this way. I accepted Jesus Christ. I believe that he is the son of God. He makes me or made me now a world overcomer. Look at this in the the message Bible. It says this in verse four. It says, every God born person conquers the world's ways. It says the conquering power that brings the world to its knees is our faith. The person who wins out over the world's ways is simply the one who believes Jesus is the Son of God. So what are the world's ways? The world will have to tell you, well, you know, that's just your sickness, so you're going to have to just hang on to that, just have to cope with it. Here's your lot in life, so suck it up. This is what's been dealt to you. This is what you got. This is what your financial situation looks like. So just do the best that you can, and, you know, hopefully you can hang on, and you'll just see if you can make it. That's not how God looks at it. Oh, the world is filled with, you know, sex and drugs and alcohol. That's what your kids are going to be involved in. So just get used to it. My Bible, your Bible tells us, no. What defeats the world's ways? Anyone who believes 
that Jesus is the Son of God. Right? Verse 5, that's what he just said. So who are those that conquering the world's ways? Those that believe that Jesus is the Son of God. So what do we have to do? We got to agree with the Bible. This is the time for you and I. This is, I mean, we are in very interesting times, wouldn't you say? There is no better time than to go to the Word of God and say, I believe that. We got to believe something and thank God he changes not. He's the same yesterday. He's the same today. He's the same tomorrow. He does not change. So you can put complete trust and faith in his word because it does not change. Now, again, for you and I, as we're creating, we're we're developing this mindset. Okay, I'm going to agree with God. We're also creating this image. So this is what's so wonderful about the word of God. Of course, it's there. It's power. It's active. It's there to really to enlighten you on the inside. But when you start meditating and thinking on it, it's creating images on the inside. So when you read some of these verses, like in 1 John chapter 5, 4 and 5, and you see yourself as a world overcomer, what you need to do is start seeing yourself overcoming no matter what may be in your life. A problem, a situation, a disease, or financial things, whatever it may be, you have to start seeing yourself as an overcomer of this situation. That's what the Word does. The Word creates pictures for you and I to believe in. And the same way in the natural world system as well, the world is trying to create pictures for you as well. It's constantly doing it 24-7, 365. This is what the world is trying to do, paint pictures for you and I to all of a sudden get on the inside of ourselves that we start seeing ourselves, well, I guess, I'm, I, guess I just have to live this way. I guess this sickness is just got to, I'm going to have to just cope with it. Stop it. Not for you. Why? Because I believe in Jesus. Anybody else believe in Jesus? And those that believe in Jesus, what's the result? It made you, he made you a world overcomer. Don't settle. Say with me, don't settle. Anything that's not right, that doesn't line up with scripture, you say, I'm not not having this anymore. That hurt. That's enough. We take the ownership of it. So we're getting it on the inside. Our mind's being renewed. And now we're creating that image on the inside. So we start seeing ourselves world conquerors. Because that's who you is. That's who I is. Me like English. No. Again, I want to just show you this from Romans chapter 5, 17. This is what God sees you as. And it's great that the Father sees us this way, but we got to start seeing ourselves this way. He said this, if because of one man's trespass, and this is where a lot of people get lost and stuck, it's in the one man, his offense, his trespass, that all this sickness, all this death, all this sin came in, and we identify ourselves to what Adam did. Well, this is just how I was born. This is just what, I mean, I was born a loser. I guess I just won, I'm just a loser. That's not what happened. So that's how surely one man, you know, all this came through. And they says, more surely will those who receive God's overflowing grace, his unmerited favor, and the free gift of righteousness, putting them into right standing with himself. What are we supposed to do? Come on, let's shout it out together. How does God see you and I as? Reigning. Come on, one more time. The R word. Reigning. Again, reigning as what? Kings in this life. Not just when you get to heaven. We're supposed to reign here. We reign in this life through one man, Jesus Christ. This is God's plan. This is we did desire for you. So the moment you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior is the moment he made you in right standing with himself. And now he says, I've called you to reign on this earth. Go do it. Okay. And that's what we're taking the time to do is understanding how to properly reign. Now, we may not be overcoming. We not, may not be reigning. And that's why I believe the Lord is taking us down this road is so that you and I can start to learn how to properly reign. Right? 
And what we've been talking about the last about three or four weeks now has been talking about table manners. And we've talked about where God seated us. He's called us out, you know, of the nations. He's called us out of cultures. And now you and I are part of his kingdom. And again, the moment you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, Ephesians 2, 6 says, now that you are seated with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's where you are seated. Now, what we've been talking about is learning to operate from this position, learning to operate from this table of victory that you've been invited to sit at. Okay, so everybody's sitting? Good? Good? What table are we sitting at? We're sitting at the victorious table because that's who you are. That's what you've been made to be. So what we're doing is we're taking the time to learn how to operate and function from this table. Because this table is completely different from the losing table. Don't sit with the losers. Uh, what does that mean? Well, our, really, our heart is we want to pull people from the losing table and bring them over to the victorious table. There's no wimpy, whiny losing at Jesus' table. He doesn't know how to lose. So you and I, as his children, have to learn the victorious talk. And that's what's going to separate you from a lot of different people is because when you sit at the table of victorious, you think different. And therefore, you talk different. And as a result, you act different. How? Because you're operating from this victorious side. We're not waiting for chains to break. We know they've already been broken. Okay? Now, again, what does the gospel do? The gospel takes losers and it gives them the opportunity to live this victorious lifestyle. Victory isn't automatic. You have to learn how to live this way, right? And it requires, again, a different thought process. It requires a different thinking. It requires a different speaking. It requires a different acting. So you and I don't get frustrated if you're like, I'm not, this thing keeps kicking my butt or I keep getting running into the same problems over and over. Okay, that's all right. So what we're doing is we're learning how to operate from this place. For example, what we talked about the past couple of weeks is that the sound at this table is a sound of thanksgiving, this table is thankful. This table complains. So what we're learning and working on is getting complaining out of our vocabulary, no matter what, even if you got to eat a salad. <laughs> a kale salad full of kale and more kale and just an abundance of kale. You can still be happy while eating that. Is it possible? I know, that's a very natural, carnal thing, I, I know. But even in the midst of now circumstances or problems or trials that come your way, you can still learn to be thankful because that's how the victorious operate. And it's not just, okay, this is behavior modification, I'm just learning to be thankful. i got to be thankful, i got to be thankful. No, you are convinced that what Jesus has done is far superior than anything the devil could ever do. There's something, there's some knowledge that this table understands. This table recognizes and knows the finished works of Jesus is true. They believe it, therefore they act as if it's right. So no matter what comes my way, I'm not, this is just so hard. Why does this always happen to happen to me? Ah, but I'm learning the finished works of Jesus already done. So Lord, I want to thank you that your word is true. Oh Lord, I want to thank you that in every situation, in every season, I can give a shout of praise because I know whom I, I know in whom I have believed. So that's what we're learning at this table. So we're working on that. We're developing that. So when the world squeezes you, what comes out? Praise the Lord. Say, saying nasty things about you. Praise the Hallelujah. We talked about that, right? We're combining hallelujah and praise the Lord. This is what we're learning. And the second thing we discussed as well is that we fight at this table. We don't fight people. 
people are not our problems. So therefore, our battle is in the spiritual realm. We know how to fight here, and we fight through praise. And my praise is my address in the spirit. The same way that FedEx is looking for your house, you put your address whenever you're expecting a delivery to come your way. Well, how on earth? You buy something? Well, you got to give all your information. Otherwise, where do they know to send it? Same way in the spiritual realm. We know our address in the spirit is my unique voice. There is a sound that comes from this table. And when you start praising and worshiping God, no matter what the situation is, he knows where to send the package. So that's why praise is simple. You don't have to wait for the right song. I can just start praising God anytime. I have better praise sessions in my little office than anywhere else. I don't need music. Music is great. It helps. It's wonderful. Don't get me wrong. Go do it. But we got to learn at the drop of a hat that we could just start praising the Lord. Ready? Go. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> Listen, heaven's going to be full of that. So we might as well get used to it now because the moment I remember, I've heard some, again, some different testimonies on it. And this one gentleman, Jesse Duplan, as you can Google it, it's wonderful, wonderful testimony of his time in heaven. He would just say, praise the Lord. And it said it just started a whole domino system. The angels all around just praise the Lord. And they just circled around because everybody, they actually do it. They don't just say praise the Lord. They actually have to get caught up in it because they're just so in love with this God. So they have to do it. So let me encourage you. Praise just becomes something that we do. That all of a sudden we have nobody up here and all of a sudden we could just start our own little praise party. Yeah. Okay. Now, now because Jesus has made me victorious, I am no longer begging God to do something that he already did. Instead, now I'm here to command and enforce, like what Jamie said, the finished works of Jesus on darkness. I tell it what it needs to do. Darkness doesn't tell me what's going on. I tell it. <sighs> All right. Now, the wonderful thing about this invitation that Jesus has given us to sit at this table is that I can bring my questions. It's wrong to question. It's okay to ask questions. It's wrong to question what he thinks and what he does. It's okay to go, Lord, I I don't quite understand this. I I, want to complain because complaining feels good. Anybody ever complained before? (laughs) It feels good. Like your flesh really likes it. But Lord, I'm not quite understanding why you tell me in your word in Philippians chapter 2 to not complain about anything. Why did you say that? (laughs) And it's okay to ask him questions. And that's what I find this table so beautiful because you can come to this table as if, again, you've never done anything wrong because you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He made you this way. But at this table, this is a great place that you bring your questions to. That you just say, Lord, I, I, can you clarify? Could you help me, enlighten me? Because I know it's not you. It's got to be me. So if, I'm th- if my thinking is an error in any kind of way, please enlighten me. Holy Spirit, I invite your searching gaze in my heart to get on the inside of me. Am I off? Okay, show me where I need to change my thinking. And allow him room and space to now do so. Now look at this in the Ben Campbell Johnson. This is a paraphrase that I've had. I love it. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Can you read that? Okay. I can on mine. So here, I'll read it to you here. He says, come into fellowship with me if you are tired and burdened, and I will refresh and release you. Take the burden of responsibility that I give you and thereby discover your life and your destiny. I am gentle and I am humble. I love this part. I am willing. 
Now hear the words of Jesus. So if you're like, man, I'm, I'm, maybe you come from different background of church. Maybe you come out. This is like, oh, what are you talking about? This victorious thing? Like, I thought the devil just can do whatever he wants because he's here. If you're all this, listen, this is a powerful word from the Lord. He said, I am willing to relate to you and permit you to learn at your own rate. We are all learning in this. We are all growing and we're all developing. No one of us has ever achieved it yet. Nobody will. So we keep coming to this table and thank God for these words that he is willing to relate to us and to permit you and I to learn at our own rate. Then, he said, in fellowship with me, you will discover the meaning of your life. My fellowship will release you and my companionship will direct you on your journey. Thank you, Jesus. So I'm not quite getting it. That's okay. Just, just hang around a little bit. Stay close a little bit. And we're, what we, our heart is is to keep bringing people to this victorious table because Jesus has such a desire to work with his church in these last days. His heart is to be a co-laborer together with you to reach your job, to reach your world, your sphere of influence. That's his desire. But we got to learn how to operate at his table because God will never leave the victorious table and come sit at the losing table and let's just, you know, figure out how to win from here. He doesn't do that. Instead, he calls you. He draws you by his love. He draws you by his kindness and says, hey, that's not going to work anymore. That mindsets you've had, those ways of thinking, those ways of operating that you've been living in, it doesn't work. Come over to my side, have a seat at this table, and learn from me. I am gentle and I'm humble. I'm easy to get along with, but you got to learn my ways. It's the greatest call. It is a beautiful invitation, but you have got to say, okay, and be willing to leave this nasty table and start going over here. It sounds good. We think God likes it at this religious losing table, but he doesn't. It sounds good. Oh, God's just in control. No, he's not. It sounds good and it's an easy way to put all the blame on him so that we can just be okay with what's going on in our life. So instead he said, I want to pull you out of that. Have a seat over here. Now look at this. You are now in authority on this earth. Now, as we've talked about over the course of this week, we spend a lot of time talking about our victory over Satan, our victory over demonic forces. Hoorah. Are we, are we okay with that? <laughs> The devil's a punk. We like to wreak havoc on him. And again, the devil is the enemy of the church. He's called the accuser of the brethren. That's what he does. He accuses regularly. But now, on the other hand, even though we have now been given all authority, all power over him, on the other hand now, because again, anything that you teach or preach, if you go into the extreme, you end up in error. So you can't just take, well, this, you got... You know, this is what I'm seeing, and I'm just rah, rah, rah. You have got to learn, because in order to properly divide the word of truth, you have to use other scriptures. There's other things that will balance this out. It's not just like you and I running rampant and doing whatever we want. We've got to learn to flow with the Spirit of God, as we've talked about. But now, on the other hand, even though we've been given victory over the devil, there's still a part in this where a believer who is unwilling to grow up in the Word and in the Spirit, he actually hinders his own progress. So even though you've been given all this authority, my unwillingness to grow up, say it with me, grow up, is actually going to hinder God from operating fully in my life. So even though you've been given all this power, I have got to now give access to the Spirit of God to help grow me up on the inside. Now, I want to read you this verse in Romans 8.37 here for a moment. 
It says this, even in the midst of all these things, and if you look at Romans 8.36, he talks about troubles and pressures and problems, persecutions, dangers, and death, right? He talks about all these things that come at us in the world. He says, in all these things, God has made us. Come on, say it with me again. Made us. I've been made this way. Not one day going to be made. I'm made this way right now. So looking at you right now, those that have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, he made you this way. I'm looking at a lot of conquerors in this room. I've been made this way. He says, made us to be more than a conqueror. And he demonstrated, his demonstrated love is our glorious victory over everything. Now, as we already said, but if I don't intentionally allow the love of God to grow me up, I will not benefit from all that God has already done. So you can see God's will was for you and I to grow up. Again, I want you just to say those words with me. Grow up. <laughs> Are we okay this morning? We're going to get into this a little bit. Because it's crucial, I believe, I mean, everything that we're seeing in the political realm, everything that's going on, in the, like, again, politics is not the power of the church. It doesn't matter who's in office, the church will continue to move forward. But for you and I, I believe in the days that are going ahead, we are going to have to grow up. And I don't mean that in a nasty, negative, grow up or else. I just simply mean this in, hey, God's going to want to start using this church in a powerful way. Get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. Because there's things that, hey, he's going to want to demonstrate through you in the workplace. All of a sudden, you know, the power of God, you just, you have it in your heart. I'm going to go lay hands on the sick and they're going to, and all of a sudden things start happening. It's because he's got somebody in, he's got an insider on the inside that can do something. That's what he's looking for. Now, again, if I don't give the spirit of God opportunity and place for me to grow up, through the love of God, I won't experience the conquering lifestyle that Jesus bought and paid for. Look at Galatians 4, 1 here for a moment. And I encourage you, just take some of these verses, write them down, think about them all week long. It says this, think of it this way. If a father dies and leaves an inheritance for his young children, notice this, those children are not much better off than slaves until... Come on, read it again. Until... They grow up, even though, even though what? They are possessors or they own everything the Father has. What's this verse saying? That until I grow up, I will not experience all that rightfully belongs to me as an inheritance. So that shows sometimes I'm the hindrance in my childishness. I'm the hindrance to all the blessings and all the rightful things that belong to me because of what Jesus has done. Just because Jesus bought and paid for everything doesn't mean I automatically walk into it. I've got to learn to grow up to walk in these things. With great power comes great responsibility. If all this power that he gave us, I've got to learn how to harness it. I've got to learn when to keep my mouth shut. I've got to learn when to speak. I've got to learn when to sit back. I've got to learn when to pray. It is a, it's wonderful to learn how this table is and how it operates, but the most important thing is we got to give God continual opportunity and space on the inside to teach us and to develop us so that we can actually be users of this power to be stewards of it. Right? Okay, now, <laughs> again, it's not just accepting Jesus as my Lord and Savior and I just coast until I get to heaven. Aren't you thankful there's so much more to that? Okay, we accept Jesus. Okay, well, you know, when you die, everything will be great. No, he's called you to 
and see it and experience it now. That's what's so wonderful about our God. Okay, now let's look at this in 1 Peter chapter 1. <laughs> There's nothing better than being used by God. <laughs> and in 1 Peter chapter 1, look at this, verse 3. He says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by His great mercy that we have been born again. So anybody earn it in this room? Oh man, thank you. No, we haven't. Then he says, because God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, now we live with great expectation. Verse 5, and this, I got a different translation here. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Let me read it to you from my Bible. I think that might be 2 Peter. 1 Peter 3, it says, that, or 1 verse 3, it says, By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. Now, does anybody have their paper Bibles with them this morning? Can you just turn, go to 1 Peter for a moment? I want you to see this. You got, or if you've got a phone, you've got to get these words into your, in your eyes here for this morning. 1 Peter chapter 1, and look at verse 3 and 4. This is what he did. So again, we're not waiting for God to do something. This is what he's already done. Again, in verse 3, it says, By his divine power, God has given us. Say that, God has given me. Again, now me. God has given me. One more time. God has given me. Not one day going to give me. God has given me. Again, church, God has given me. He's already given it. What has he given me? Everything I need to live a godly life. He's already given it. Then he goes on to say, we have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. Verse 4, it says, And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us these great and precious promises. And these are the promises. Now look what this says. They enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by humans' desires. So this shows me right here in 1 John chapter 5, verse 4. Remember he says, who are those that bring the worlds to its knees? Who are those then that actually bring are conquerors of the world's ways? Those that believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Well, how so? He gave you these precious promises. He's already given it to you so that when you believe and receive what he's already given, you can actually already go against everything that the world tries to throw your way. There is not one promise of God that he hasn't given that won't conquer the world's ways. Every problem the world throws at you, guess what? There's already a promise for it. So what do I got to do? Believe what he said, receive it, and now release it into my life. So it's a total different way of thinking. But you can see right here, again, this is God's heart. He's already given it all to us, but you and I have got to grow up to start seeing how it actually comes into our life and not just, I hope this works. We got to get out of this hope because it's not working in the sense of, I hope this is it. It's not even hope. It's wishing. I, I, this would be nice to see in my life. It's time that we start declaring it and seeing it in our lives. Yeah. Now, continuing on here. Our Father is interested in us growing up. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2. It says, look at this. This is all talking about our Father. His heart is for us to grow up. Come on one more time. Say it with me. Grow up. In that same way, he says, that nursing infants... Cry for milk. Anybody seen a baby lately? Yeah. <laughs> I was really loud. Yeah, yeah. 
Sometimes we're seeing them in the very difficult hours of the night. Yeah, 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 there they are. What are they doing? They're crying out for milk. Naturally speaking, they're crying out for milk. So he says, you must intensely crave the pure spiritual milk of God's word. Now, you want to just bring out the, the Aramaic in this. It says the, the spiritual milk, it says, is the sustaining power of God coming from God. I'm not saying that God has breast, but it comes from his very breast, his nurturing self. That he just, he brings you right in and he, as you're, as you're nestled in there, he gives you everything you need. So he's saying that you must crave it. Come on, say it with me, crave. I've got to crave it. And look at this, for this milk will cause you to grow into maturity, fully nourished and strong for life. So I got to crave this milk. I got to want it. Okay, look at this in the next verse in First. Peter 1.23, it says, Through the eternal and living word of God, you have been born again. And this seed, you know, 1 John talks about God's seed is in you. This seed that he planted within you can never be destroyed, but will live and grow inside of you forever. Don't kill the seed. Don't squash it. Don't neglect it. By just, well, you know, I'm just going to continue on in my Christian life and one day I'll just get to heaven. Everything will be great. No, there's so much more. This seed, let it grow, let it grow, let it grow. How do I do that? I give them access. Okay, now let's look here again. First or Second Peter chapter 3. I'm just showing you that God's desire and his heart is for growth. Second Peter chapter 3 verse 18, it says, you continue to grow. Say with me, continue. Continue, continue to grow. What am I growing in? I'm growing and increasing in God's grace and intimacy with the Lord Savior, Jesus Christ. In the New Living Bible, it says it like this. Rather, he said, you must grow in this grace. Say with me, you must grow. Look at your neighbor and say, you must grow. Your life depends on it. Where you are at in your Christian life, thank God for it. But what we see here, you must grow. Why? For the days that are yet ahead, we've got to grow in our understanding of how this table functions. It's a table of grace, absolutely. But now how do I bring in what the kingdom of God has already done and start seeing it in my everyday life? We have to grow. <laughs> okay. And look at this in Ephesians chapter 4. Again, talking about God's desire and his heart for growth. We doing okay? I'm just giving you Bible verses. Just to prove we're not blowing smoke here. All right. It says, He has appointed some with the grace to be apostles, and some with grace to be prophets, some with grace to be evangelists, some with grace to be pastors, and some with grace to be teachers. Look at this, verse 12. And their calling is to nurture and prepare all the holy believers to do their own works of ministry. Now it says, and as they do it, now as they do their works of ministry, this will enlarge and build up the body of Christ. Okay, look at verse 13. These grace ministries will function, how long? So that just destroys your argument. Well, you know, apostles and prophets, that's all done and that's all done with. We don't have that anymore. I still get that a lot. Those, those gifts are no longer, God used it to start the church, but now he doesn't need them. Well, my Bible says these grace ministries, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, will function until. 
Until what? Until we all attain oneness in the faith. Until we all experience, the, I want, just listen to these growth words, the fullness of what it means to know the Son of God. And finally, we become one into a perfect man with the full dimensions of spiritual maturity and fully developed into the abundance of Christ. So right here, this just totally nips. I can do church on my own. You can't. I can do church you know, by, at home by myself. You can't. That's never going to be God's way. This whole new thing that's coming out, you see the, the, meta, the meta world, what is that called again? Metaverse? Stupid. With a capital S. Cool technology, but stupid. Why? That's not the church. You cannot virtually go to church and have a little praise and song and dance and say, I went to church. The church is involved in the whole body coming together as one, absolutely, but also that you have a spiritual guide or leader in the place. It's impossible to do church apart from it. Well, I just watch, you know, different speakers online. Great, good. But that doesn't mean they're your pastor. You have to be pastored. I have a pastor. Everybody needs a pastor. It's crucial. And not only that, then we want to make space for all those gifts, the apostle, the prophet, evangelist, and the teachers. Why? Because then you get a full, rounded, delicious meal from all these different gift ministries that God gives. So it's not one's better than the other. They all bring a different supply. So it's crucial. That's how we get fed. And then look at this, verse 14. And then he says, our immaturity will end. Woo! So guess what we got to do? Mature. Grow up. We got to grow up in this. So I don't know about you, but I want God to go and say, hey, that's a really, that's a grown-up church. I like that. I can, I can do some stuff there. I can say some stuff there. Oh, and it says, and we will not be easily shaken by trouble. So this is a sign of maturity. Ready? Here's a sign. How do you know that you're mature? I'm not shaken by trouble. <laughs> Nor led astray by novel teachings or by false doctrines of deceivers who teach clever lies. I'm not moved. I'm not moved. I'm not moved. I'm not moved. Because what's in the world today is deception with a capital D. So how do we stay away from deception? I stay close to this. This is the only way that I cannot be deceived is by knowing what the word of God says. With no word... Deception is easy, and it sounds good, it sounds Christian, but it's loser. Loser. And it doesn't work, it sounds religious, but it denies the power of God thereof. And what does he say? Stay away from people like that, 2 Timothy chapter 3 says. So what do we do? Come over to this table. I don't want to. Stay then. But those that want to come, come on over. That table, it's, it sucks there. They'll just milk you for everything they got. They're interested in your money over there. They're interested in just getting everything they can out of you over there. Over here, we're interested in building strong people so that the church can go forward. That's what Jesus is doing. Now, okay, let's talk about this here for a moment. So God's interested in growth. His heart is to build the church and build people So what do I have to do now as a believer, as a Christian, is I have got to make the decision to work with God for my growth. I'm not trying to be successful. My job, my heart is I want to be fruitful in the kingdom. And how do I do that? I have to give him space to grow me on the inside. Now we all know how do we grow naturally? Through time. Right? As I'm I'm 30 some now and I'm grown up. Kind of. 
I'm the smallest of all my family, but, you know, got some adult stuff, pants and stuff. We grew up over time. How does somebody grow up mentally? Through study. Right? And a lot of times what we're seeing in the church is that we have a lot of people that study. Again, we have some people that are a thousand scriptures overweight. We've developed our mind so much and our spirit is craving the milk and the meat of the word of God, which will get me bigger on the inside. Christianity is not getting big headed because again, the more the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 8, that the more knowledge you have, the more puffed up you get. But love edifies. Love is not a head thing. It's a heart. It's on the inside. So what are we doing? We're not developing our heads. I got to memorize these scriptures. I got to memorize these scriptures. No, I want to know the one who is the scripture. (laughs) When I get to know him and I see him for who he is, it changes me. And so I can start functioning at this table. Oh, that's who you are. Okay, I got it. I got it. So what are we doing? Giving him access. So look at this verse, 2 Corinthians 13, 5. This is one that spanks you and then spanks you again and then hugs you. (laughs) Anybody ever been double spanked and then hugged? Well, here's your opportunity, all right? (laughs) Test yourselves to make sure you, not your wife, not somebody else in the church, test yourselves. But it's so much easier to test somebody else. Can I? My deal. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. All right. (laughs) I was just waiting for that one hand. Okay. Test yourselves to make sure that you are solid in the faith. I'm testing myself. So again, testing doesn't mean negative. A lot of times we hear the word test. I know for I do. Anytime I think of school, testing. Oh, I, I, I don't know. D. You just, you panic. This testing of yourselves is actually a good thing. When you sit at this table, test yourselves. You're not sitting at this table going, I'm no good. I'm just a rat. I screw things up all the time. That's loser talk. Don't, don't go there. Don't hang out and test yourselves over here. You'll just be in condemnation all the time. Over here, though, this is where conviction comes. And you go, oh, I like that. It hurts so good. Ah, ah, ah. Okay, I'll make those changes. But I'm testing myself to make sure that I am solid in the faith. Then he says, don't drift along, taking everything for granted. So what's the temptation? To drift and take everything for granted. I'm good. I'm, I'm fine. I'm so much better than that guy. <laughs> like a lot better. My hand was about a foot higher than his during worship the other day. It's, I'm, I'm doing just fine. I got off the ground pretty good during worship. That I am just fine. Lord, do you see my praise? He'd rather have heart. So he's saying, don't take everything for granted. He said, give yourself a regular checkup. Why? Because you need firsthand evidence, not mere, oh, I'm good. Jesus is Lord. Do you mean that? Yeah. How? Well, you know, I, I sang. He's Lord means he's the boss and tells me how I live. Here's another thing. I don't get to have any more opinions. Why? He tells me how I'm supposed to think. Well, Jesus is Lord. You can't just say that. (laughs) I'm having a dialogue with myself at the moment. But you need firsthand evidence, not mere hearsay, that Jesus Christ is in you. Test it out. And if you fail the test, do something. It's simple. 
But you and I have to give ourselves regular checkups. And if we're not doing this regularly, then all of a sudden we could find ourselves drifting. Popular thought of the day, drifting. This is what Facebook says, drifting. This is what politicians say, drifting. All of a sudden I find myself going here and I'm, oh, I'm a Christian, I'm a believer. But you don't even smell like you came from that table. How do we know? So what's he telling us? Stay close. That's the message in these last days. Stay close. Stay close. Why? Because deception has run rampant into the world. The spirit of Antichrist is out there. And I don't know if you know this, but he's showing himself. It's revealing these tribulation days. It opens the curtain for you and I for it to kind of poke its head out just to let you know it's still here. Tribulation's coming. And then it shuts back down and kind of pulls away. Why? Because the church is still here. So you and I are very powerful, whether you realize it or not. So what do we got to do? Learn to sit at this table to keep that from affecting more and more people. Now, continuing on here. So how do I check up on myself? Can I just give you a couple of questions that you could ask? Are you ready? Number one is this. Holy Spirit, how can I give more of myself to you? That's a great question. It's not, Holy Spirit, how can I have more of you? He's already given himself entirely. How much more can he give? So the question is not, Holy Spirit, can I have more of you? The question is, Holy Spirit, how do I give more of me to you? Another question, does my life line up with what your word says? Or simply saying, am I doing your word? That's a good question. Thirdly, have I given you access into every area of my heart? Again, very probably question that we may have heard a lot, but have you actually done it? That's a completely different story. I did it again this past week, and I found there's some areas that I actually haven't fully opened up to them before. Huh, so what do I do? Test it out. If you fail the test, do something about it. Lord, you know what? I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't let you in on that before. Whether if it was out just fear or pride. Lord, I'm, I'm sorry about that. Now here, come on and speak to this. Speak to this in my life. I'm totally open. What, what do I need to change on the inside? What do I need to see? And he corrects according to his word. And I think the, word, the church world has been scared about opening themselves up to God because they think that God disciplines or corrects his children through troubles, through pain, through sickness, through heartache. That is not our father ever. When you know the character and nature of God, he is good and only does good. You can approach him and say, Lord, this is, this is the sin or this is the problem. This is the, the, the crap in my life. Here it is. And you know the nature of a father. He come and say, here, let me show you my word. Let me bring this to you. Oh, sir, thank you so much. And it's a total different experience than, please, God, I'm so sorry. I'm just so sorry. I screwed up. I'm just messing up. And you're waiting for a whooping. And you think, God can't use me. I'm just no good anymore. False. Stop saying that. You're saying the blood isn't enough. That's not true. The blood is more than enough. So what do I do? I sit here and say, Father, I'm, I'm missing in this area. Correct me. And you're open to it because, you, again, you know his heart is for growth. Pruning is a good thing. The results of bearing fruit. Some of you may have some good fruit coming off your branch. Man, these grapes are just popping off all over the place. Guess what the reward is for fruit bearing? Pruning. Guess what's coming your way? A good pair of scissors. 
Ah! But if you think God is nasty and horrible, you'll avoid that and you'll stay stagnant all your life because you think he's going to hurt you. He's going to bring something against you. But when you know he's good, you go, bring on the pruning. And, and his word does it. And the result is now you can bear more fruit. Okay, now... Fourth question is this, Father is an area of my life that is hindering our intimacy. Wow. Lastly, Lord, what are you pleased with in my life? What, what do you enjoy? And let him talk to you about that. It's wonderful, it's great. But I have to actually slow down this whole thing that's going on out here, get quiet for a sec, and just go, Lord, where are we at? Now, I've, I've been reading a lot, you know, lots over the years, Smith Wigglesworth, and there was a question that he was, two questions he would ask the Lord regularly, not just, I mean, because again, they asked him, so Brother Smith, how much do you pray? And they were expecting to hear, oh, I pray about, you know, 18 hours a day, sleep for four, study for three. Like he just, he just said, I actually don't pray all day. I pray 15 minutes a day and I'll go about my business and I'll stop and I'll go, oh Lord, I just want to thank you for your good. And he'll just, throughout the day, it's just a regular living with him. It's the same way when me and my wife text, it's not like, okay, have a great day. Talk to you later. Bye. It's continuous throughout the day. The dot, dot, dot is always there. Meaning what? The conversation is always going. So he would ask the question to the Lord and say, Lord, is there any area of my life that's hindering intimacy with you? And is there anything you want me to do right now? Those are the only two questions that pushed his prayer life, his walk with the Lord were those two things. Is there anything that's hindering intimacy? And what do you want me to do at this moment? And he would ask that regularly. But sometimes we get so caught up in the busyness of our schedule. I got to get the groceries. I got to feed the children. I got to bathe the children. I got to put the clothes in the... And all of a sudden we forget totally and just go, Lord, is there anything that I should be doing right now? And first and foremost, check with him. Get that intimacy. That's what I want. So I'm finding, I rest myself throughout the day and going, okay, Lord, let's, let's do it. Okay. And I got, um, I got a bunch more verses, but I'm going to do one or two more. But 1 Corinthians 13, let's look here for a moment, and we'll probably pick up on this next week. But the Apostle Paul, he's talking about the gifts of the Spirit. Then in chapter 13, he goes to talking about love, and he says this, If I were to, oh, no, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11, it says this, When I was a child, I spoke about childish matters. Everybody got their Bible? You need to see this. Get your eyes on it. Get your eyes on it. Why? Can't I just listen? Yeah, you can, but you got to put your eyes on it so you see it. When I was a child, he says, what did I do? I spoke about childish matters. Why? Because I was a child. Okay? For I saw things like a child, and I reasoned. Remember reasoning? I reasoned like a child, but the day came when I matured and I set aside my childish ways. So again, when I was a child, what did he do when he was a child? Now, you can't get mad at children. I, I got a bunch, like just talking naturally speaking here for a moment. I got a bunch of natural children, four. And what do they do? They see like what? They see like a child. So I can't slap them for not seeing like a 30-year-old. Right? Why? Because they're not 30. I know, very simple, but just follow along with me. Then next he also says, when I was a child, I reasoned like a child. 
This is something my wife constantly helps me with. Joel, she's four. There's no reason yet. Why, though? Why? It doesn't work. Why? Because when I was a child, I reasoned as a child. But thank God, or then lastly, it goes on to say, therefore, I spoke like a child. My daughter came up to me the other day and said, you're fat. I went... I'm at the Victoria's table. I'm at the Victoria's table. I'm at the... What is wrong with you? No, I just would go... But black is so slimming. I, <laughs> I just thought, okay, you are a child. Right, Jamie? Right? <laughs> so what do they do? They speak like what? Like children. And we find it so cute. But here's where the problem lies is that, again, we talked about, naturally speaking, how do we grow up? Over time. Mentally, how do we grow up? Through learning. And now, spiritually speaking, how do we grow up? Spiritually speaking, through obedience. It does not matter how long you've been a Christian. You can still be a baby at, you'll be 70 years old. You, just because the years go on, does not make you spiritually mature. It means nothing. Just because you've read a thousand and one books doesn't make you mature believer. So thank God Paul said these days, but the day comes. When does that day come? Is this a set time all of a sudden where all of a sudden, okay, October 13th in 2029, Joel, you're going to be a man. That's not how it looks. It says when the day came when I matured. How, when does that day come? Well, it looks different for everyone, but the basis for this is obedience to his word. That's how I grow up spiritually. So again, this is where, where the problem is with the church, is that we have a lot of people that have been in the church for a very, 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 very long time, and their thinking is still the same from it's always been. There's been no maturing, there's been no growing up, and so now you have childish reasoning, childish thinking, Therefore, childish speaking, and you're going, nothing's changing my life. What's the problem? You haven't grown up. You can't go, oh, God, grow me up. Lord, I'm just asking to be, you know, at least 25 in the spirit. Lord, maybe 25. That's not how this works. You have to actually take the time. It's intentional to grow up on the inside. It doesn't come with more sitting in more church services. Thank God that it's good. We're going to have more. We're going to gather more. That's great and powerful. It's an opportunity for you to get what you need. But you now have to take that home and go, hmm, you know what? I actually need to digest this. I need to actually start being a doer of this word, not a hearer only. Because who are the ones that get blessed? It's the doers. So why are people so frustrated in Christianity? I've been a Christian for so long. And you can see they're frustrated. They're angry. They're upset. You know what it is? They didn't grow up. The same thing that's been bothering you for 25 years, it continues to bother you. Why? You haven't grown up. So why? You're reasoning like a child. You're seeing things like a child. Therefore, you're speaking like a child. Nothing's changed. So for you and I to say, I'm more than a conqueror. God made me all this way. But if I don't give him access and room on the inside to grow me up, my conquering grace, the anointing that's on your and my life to be a conqueror in this day, we'll never see it because I've chosen just to stay as an infant. Come on. God, I'm just asking you to help me out once in a while. We're still talking the same way. Still have to be jacked up in order to lift your hands and praise the Lord. What happens with that? It's not like God's just going, I'm ticked off at you. He's going, grow up. 
Come up. You don't need like the best note. You don't need to have your favorite song. Grow up. Grow up. And when his body is coming up to this place, no more immaturity. Guess what? Now we can go places and you can start hearing different sounds. Because Jesus said this to his disciples. I'll close with this. This Jesus said to his disciples in John chapter 16, he said, there is so much more that I got to talk to you, but you aren't able to hear it. Well, who's that problem? Jesus, what's your deal? Jesus, come talk to me. He can't. Because if he were to share with you what he wanted to share with the disciples at that time, it would... I don't, I don't get it. I can't, I don't, I can't understand all this. It goes beyond. Did you know that your spiritual depth, there is so much more in store for you. Don't settle. I think this came up on the inside of me. This was a while ago when I was youth pastoring. I was coming into my eighth or ninth year. And I honestly, if I can be real honest with you, I hated it. I was getting so, like, every time we'd have, and it was great. Like, we had a mini revival going on in our youth services. People come, they get saved, filled with the Holy Spirit to see all these kids come and just, and then just fall. And it's amazing. But there was an uneasiness going on the inside of me. And for one, I had a, thank God, I had a good pastor. And they said, it's because transition is coming. So when there's this uneasiness, don't just fly off, I'm out of here. No, wait, that's because there's some transition that's taking place. Don't rush it. Don't try to force it. Let it have its time because there's always timing with God. And then secondly, while I was in this frustrated state, I said, this is the first time the Lord really opened up my eyes, Psalm 139, verse 23, 24. And I had to invite the searching gaze of the Holy Spirit into my life to give him access. That was the first time I ever did it. And all of a sudden, my eyes, my eyes went completely open. Because not only was I just frustrated because I knew transition was coming, I was frustrated because I was stagnant in my Christian life. Lord, I prayed like hours, hours in other tongues. Come on, hours, hours. I'd be here, I'd be praying for hours. God, why isn't anything changing? And then finally, he showed me and he opened up my eyes to Psalm 139. And I had to invite his searching gaze on the inside. And he started developing me on the inside. And I had to choose, am I going to do the word or not do the word? So for you and I, what you have before you, if you're like, I haven't heard God speak in forever, you need to go back to the last thing he told you and do that. I just want something different. Nothing else is coming until we fulfill the last thing that he told us to do. I want to know the next step. No, all you have in front of you is this step right here. That's all you need to know. Well, I I like big picture. It don't matter. God likes the next step. He may be asking, I want you to get up in the morning and start praying in other tongues with me for at least 30 minutes before you go to work. Ah, God, I can do that anytime. I'll just, I'll do that. Well, you can forget step three. Because until this is done, nothing else is coming. Why? Because there's something on the inside. He's trying to download on the inside of you. He's trying to bring some uploads to you. But he can't until this step is done. And if he showed you the next step, you'd go, I don't want to do, there's no way I could do that. I have to let him on the inside to start sensitizing me. I never thought about pastoring a church. Never did I want to. All of a sudden, Jamie and I are sitting in Rome, eating a piece of pizza, drinking some sparkling water, and all of a sudden we started talking and we go, what about the church? What? That was 2012. All of a sudden that thought just came in on the inside. We went, huh, interesting. I never thought about this before. I'm thinking, I'm going to get out of here. Never God's plan. But what do we do? Stay open. Stay open. And four years later, we found ourselves at a, actually February 28th, we find ourselves in a torch 
passing service. That's how he operates. So can I encourage you? Yeah, we can get hyped. I mean, I know this isn't, we're not all running around and ah, but this will cause you to run around and get excited when you start doing these things. What's my next step, Lord? I'm going to be a doer of that word. So Father, we just come before you, sir. Come on, just right at this moment, I know this is not your private prayer closet, but just on the inside. Holy Spirit, we give you access and room to move in us. Father, forgive us for always looking for something on the outside. Always looking for a feeling or always looking for some miraculous thing to take place on the, on the outside. And we're totally ignoring the supernatural that's taking place on the inside. Holy Spirit, you live strong and mighty in us. And we want and we desire to give you full access to our hearts so that you can train us and grow us up into the men and women of God you've always called us to be. Father, I know this, that as we do this, we are becoming the people who you already made us to be. You got the equipment. You got everything that we need. And so, Father, we come to you intentionally asking you, sir, to help grow us up. And we do this because we want to work with you. We don't do this out of religious duty. We don't do this to have a behavior mo- our behavior modified. Sir, we do this because we love you and we want to be vessels for you in these last days to bring in a harvest of souls for your kingdom and at the same time push back the kingdom of darkness. Sir, we love you. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your love. And we receive all this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.